Hello and welcome back to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales, bringing you an episode of Surf News for July 12th, 2016. I will not carry on too long through this intro. Let me just say that surfsplendorpodcast.com is my website. You can go there to find all of the things that we discuss in this episode. You can leave a comment on today's show. And uh, also, use that URL for our website to share the show with friends. Post it on their Facebook wall or just tell them about it. The more listeners we have, the more shows we will be able to produce. Happy to produce the content and I've actually been getting really good feedback, kind notes from people via email. Um, So that's all the motivation we need really. But, you know, the more listeners the uh, the more amazing guests we will be able to attract. So thanks for sharing the show. Thanks for helping us to grow. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. I will be back at the end to sign us off. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. <laughs> yeah, guy. What's up, bro? Welcome back to the show, Scott. Yes, guy. Yes, yes guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. It is July 12th. It is a Tuesday morning, and David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you here talking all things surf on Down the Line Surf Podcast. And um, David, uh, by the way, I want to tell you something. Tell me. I had a groundbreaking event happen in my life thanks to you. Really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I was lucky enough to watch, in my mind, what is perhaps one of the greatest documentaries ever. Okay. Beware Mr. Baker. That's right. Oh, my God. OMG. I recommended it. You did. That's how I'm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You recommended it to me, and then I kept wanting to see it, and some other friends that said, hey, you got to see this, and I saw it, and it is awesome with Two sums. Well, why was it groundbreaking? What did it do for you? Well, I was that's some hyperbole there. Uh, I'm just kinda of kidding. But but it's but it's a great documentary and I highly recommend anybody that has any sort of inkling towards um you know, music fascination. You know what's funny is um, the best documentaries, it really doesn't matter what the sh- subject matter is. That is just an interesting character study. Exactly. The character is what is so great about yeah. it. And the fact that he's in it throughout and just commentating, mm-hmm. you just really get involved with him, Ginger Baker. And right. it is so good. And then there's a bunch of great B-roll yep. because he's you know this legendary drummer for Cream, the, the first super group. And I learned a lot about Ginger Baker. That's the other thing, right? A good documentary, you learn a lot. Yeah. So we have this great character and a great opportunity for us, the viewer, to li- to learn. And I just thought it was awesome. And you and I both watch a lot of documentaries. And um, that's right there at the top. I'm inclined to rewatch it. You should. It's, it's been worth, two or three years. It's totally it's worth it. I've watched it twice in the last two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Well, with the opening scene is what I remember the best, which was cameraman like holding this the camera in the back of the car, maybe in the passenger seat. And he's got a little Blair Witch Project vibe yeah. going, right? So and the camera's sure. down on his lap, but there's some audio that's happening. He knows Ginger's getting riled up. Ginger's notoriously angry, angry, hot, tender, short fused, blah, blah, blah. So he sees Ginger getting angry. This filmmaker who tracked him down, um, 
and Ginger agreed to be in this documentary, so the filmmaker's been documenting it. But in this opening scene, he can see Ginger getting heated, so he pushes record. The camera kind of comes into position and finds Ginger's face, and Ginger's yelling at him. Ginger gets out of the car, comes around, and hits him with a cane in the face, right? <laughs> yes. Isn't that what happens? Oh, and draws blood and, like, bruised his face, I think, too. And he he just took a beating from Ginger with a cane. It is documentary filmmaking gold. Like that, starts, that filmmaker sets, was so stoked. Oh, and yeah. it totally hooks you. It's so then that sets hook. the thing, which is just like, okay, we're dealing with this crotchety old man who has serious violence issues. Yes. You know. And what a complete character. So you're hooked from the very beginning. And then of course you get all these great guys doing B-roll interviews. Eric Clapton, um, Charlie Watts, um, just all of these legendary rock performers. Uh, um, J- uh, Jack Bruce, uh, who's the bass player for Cream? Is it? I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, great. I think it, yeah, Jack Bruce, right? Well, I'll, rec- I'll give you another one that I just saw. Um, it's about Tower Records, and it was made by Tom Hanks' son, Colin Hanks. It's called "All Things Must Pass," based on George Harrison's album of the mm-hmm. same title. Um, it's about the rise and fall of Tower Records, basically, and it's radical. Uh, as good as Beware, Mr. Baker. Totally different. Totally different. Totally different. Right. A bit more production value, like a bit more professional. Yeah. Um, but really, really an interesting story. You know, the founder of Tower Records ran it basically just with a rock and roll ethos, and only hired people who are super into music. And a lot of those people, of course, have drug habits and not great work ethic and stuff like that. Not to stereotype. But, <laughs> just to but, but um, that was the right. draw as well, because people who want to buy music want to talk to people who are passionate about music. Yeah, And it was also during a time when the record... Um, industry was transitioning into digital like cds first right so they had to deal with that because things used to be so inexpensive you know like you could buy an album for two dollars and then all of a sudden cds come out and they're charging 18.99 so it's dealing with that and then again transitioning into downloadable digital um but because of this rock and roll ethos that the company had just tons of expansion rapidly tons of spending um you know, ultimately, finances get mismanaged and the, the company goes away. Right. The behemoth that nobody thought would ever go away. Except there's still stores in Japan because... Um, because they, it's a part of Americana? No, because it's owned by a separate entity. Oh, right. Like, they bought it and then just did they really did well. They did it right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they the Japanese the drug part. <laughs> but the Japanese do buy into the Americana thing. Oh, they totally yeah. do. They so. totally do. Well, I'll look, I look forward to seeing that one. It I, was really good. Um, another one that I recently saw was Cartel Land. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I didn't think it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, um, but it was pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, you know, maybe you can help me with this, but the sort of the summation of that is that, um, you know, good guy tries to straighten things out down in Michoacan in his community, and eventually people in his um, sphere of influence who start out good get corrupted by power and stuff and become part of the problem. Yep. Yeah. And that was a very interesting. But but beware, Mr. Baker is just so friggin' good because of all the music. Yeah. Because of the parts where Ginger Baker, I didn't know anything about the Africa connection. Right. I didn't know about the polo. Yeah. Like there's there's some really strange dichotomies there. You know, like this yeah. rock and roll guy playing polo with like the uber royals you know (laughs) totally and then you know he does those 
those Royal Albert Hall gigs for the reunion of Cream in like 05 or whatever makes a bunch of money and needs to make it because he's he's either completely rich or completely broke. And, and multiple times he's been multiple both. times yeah. he's like on this huge roller coaster. You know he'll be dead broke, but he'll be driving like an Aston Martin right. sports car you know, right. like, but without a penny. And uh, he paid cash for it though. Yeah, and he shipped it to Jamaica or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it's just it's just incredibly fascinating. And on top of that, oh by the way, Ginger Baker, the greatest drummer ever. I know the Crazy. greatest drummer ever. Crazy. Insane. Um, by the way, speaking of that Royal Albert Hall Cream concert, uh, John Van Hammersveld did the posters for that. Speaking oh, cool. of the surf connection, yeah. John Van Hammersveld, the designer of the Endless Do you know what poster. else he did? The, what famous album cover? Oh, he's done well, a lot. He's done a bunch. Um, the Exile most, on Exile Main Street. Is the one, yeah. The Ma- Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, right. He yeah. probably did some Dead. Did he do some Dead? Or, no, that was Rick. That was Stoner. I oh, think Stoner right. did some Grateful Dead posters. Right, right. Yeah, to bring it back to surfing. Oh, yeah. Speaking of... Um, Cartel land. Uh, you and I have spent a lot of time in Baja, being from Southern California, being surfers. Um, I, I spent a ton of time there up until I was probably early twenties. Family had a place down there, so we'd go all the t- like once a month. Have you been at all in recent years? And what's your take on it? Couple things. I would absolutely go to Northern Baja again in a would heartbeat. You? Yeah, I would, and I have, and I will continue when, to. When was the most recent trip? Uh, Hurricane Maria. Oh, okay. I guess was that last Marie. summer? Maria was that yeah. last summer? Yeah. Um, went down there, surfed insane waves, super good. Um, Northern Baja to me is not what you know. There was a sort of a flash in the pan four or five year period there when it was kind of sketchy. When I feel I think like it was more than four or five years. It might have been. For sure, we stayed away from it for more than four or five years. But I think the actual drama was about four or five years long. Okay. And I don't know. I want to say it was like 03 to 08 or something like that maybe. Yeah. But but um, I absolutely would go back. I, I was actually in Sinaloa last week surfing. What? Yeah. I went down to Sinaloa, surfed left points down there in cartel land, which is why I, which is left? why I watched this. You went left? I did. I went what? left and, and, um, oh my, my I mind succeeded. Is blown right now. Let me just yeah. say I succeeded in going left. Wow. Yeah. Um, did you have to go switch so that you'd be like, I did go switch on one wave. I did go goofy foot okay, on one wave sense. just to do it. But, um, so where was I going with this conversation? Um, so, safety in Mexico. Oh, yeah. So, so when I was down there, I was with a real estate agent, this friend of mine, Larry French, who manages properties in Northern Baja, you know, from, from say, Ensenada North. And, um, and he, we just started talking and he was just showing, he was telling me about all these great restaurants in Tijuana. Like Tijuana is like this new hub of some sort of like what they, I don't even know the name of it. It's like, it's like subtropical Mediterranean fusion or whatever. I don't know. There's a couple of insane chefs. That okay. Have, and I was asking him, I'm like, who goes there? Like, who goes to these great restaurants? He goes, dude, it's packed every night. There's a, there, there's a whole scene in Tijuana about really fine restaurants. I, and it makes sense because no it's probably clue. cheap rent. And pe- yeah. And then there's all of these great restaurants as you get down to say, like, you know, from K38 down to La Mission or even further down to San Miguel and then to Ensenada. There's all these insane restaurants. But I mean, those restaurants. That you got to know about. But that's the thing. I've been to those restaurants, but they're insane by. I mean, they're like. Um, you use your hands to eat and dig out the lobster and stuff like that. No, no, great not, food. Not but like are you Puerto talking Nuevo. Fine I'm, dining. Yeah, I'm talking like, you know, there's a there's a gamut. There's there's sure. all all um, sort of levels, but but, but he like was no, he was talking like yeah, in like over the top, okay. really good foodie. Like it's like a foodie 
heaven, nirvana there hmm. right now. Okay. But only if you know. Yeah. You know? But, but And people know. Like, he's like, yeah, it's crowded. You know, like... And part of it, too, I think, is there still is um, a film production uh, yeah, situation down Fox there. Fox Studios. Yeah, there's a lot of work down there. So a lot of the gringos and stuff that are working down there for that frequent all these yeah. hip spots for food. Well, along those lines, so my family had a place in Popotla. Popotla. Yeah. And that's right across the bay is where they built that Fox Studios. Right. And the reason why they built it was to build, to shoot Titanic. Right. And the funny thing was, we had been going down there, of course, for a long time. And then they start building this studio. We're like, huh, I wonder what they're going to film there. And then after a couple months, they erect this, the Titanic on this cliff overlooking the ocean, actually overlooking that left that we'd surf. So you're looking at the Titanic 300 yards away. And we're like, huh, I guess they're making a movie about the Titanic. Interesting. I wonder what that'll be like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a year later, it's the biggest movie you're, you're, of all time. You're cutting off Leo DiCaprio on yeah. a really good left. Yeah, and then you know there was photos of him eating in Puerto Nuevo and all that sort of stuff, and in the celebrity gossip mags or whatever. Um, and then they shot Master and Commander down there shortly thereafter, which, by the way, is good movie, underrated. Yeah, yeah good movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, so Paul is an underrated wave. That's a really good left. Yeah. Um, I, I'm telling you, man, I surfed that wave so much for a decade of my youth. Yeah. Um, but so in terms of safety, though, I stopped going because I remember hearing stories about people who went there way more frequently than myself, like Mike Parsons getting pulled over at gunpoint and having his jet skis stolen off the back of his truck, you know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's look, I, I, you know, I, I'm not an expert on how safe or unsafe it is, yeah. but I will say my gut feeling now is... I, I would definitely go in a heartbeat. We were just thinking about going down to Tijuana to play golf down there at the Tijuana Country Club. And I would, and I was planning on, I was looking into going down to K38 with my family in a couple of weeks. Okay. You know, like I was, I was looking into that a couple of days ago. So I'm, I'm definitely on the go list. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to go down there in a brand new Toyota Tundra jacked up with, a jet ski on the back right. and expect to not be a sore thumb. And I'm not placing any blame on Parsons. What happened to him is horrible. I'm just saying, you know, the, you know, it's kind of smart to fly under the radar a little bit. Sure. Sure. I, look, there's still crime. Well, there's crime. There's but crime everywhere. For sure there is. But at the same time, if they suffered a decade of very low tourism, even the criminals will see the downside in that. Yeah. You know? So they probably ease up a little bit on the surfing tourists. I mean, this guy was saying, stay away from the stupid spots. Like, you don't want to go to Rosarito. You know, you just kind of want to, at See, least but I for think, food. I think Tijuana is more shady than Rosarito. Well, that's what we just think because I'm the same way. I'm like, whoa, Tijuana, I, I don't want to stay as far away as possible. But that's only because we've never really even been to Tijuana. Have you really ever been to Tijuana? No. Like, into Tijuana? No. Me either. Yeah. You know? Because I've been warned against it. Yeah, like I, I stay on the outskirts. I just take that road down to the Playas and go down to K38. And God forbid you make a wrong turn. Oh, that, then, then I'm like, screwed. then I'm on my knees just yeah. going, please help. You know? <laughs> totally. So, but, but really, we just don't know Tijuana. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious because it was a part of my youth that I really miss and that I'd like to, you know, revisit. But, and uh, I know, I, and I actually should. know, I know I think, a lot of people who have been going. I think so, you should. Yeah. I think you should get and get a century pass. And that makes coming across the border way easier. I'm not familiar with that. Well, you just Google Century Pass okay. and you'll pull it up. You'll fill out a form. Oh, you go in the special lane when you're coming back. Yeah, when you're coming yeah. back. But you got to get approved. You got to go down and do a face-to-face -face interview with the Border Patrol and right. immigration and all that. But right. it's totally worth it. I haven't done that. I actually have done everything 
but the face-to-face interview, and I was scheduled to do it. And then I realized, I found out that everyone in your car also has to have oh, a century pass. Okay. And that's when I went, well, yeah. I don't think I'm going down by myself, and my friends aren't going to have their act together, so I'm just going to shine it and just deal with the line, the border lane. Dude, we should do a whole episode of just Baja stories. Like, not only surf stories, but like just crossing the border stories. Crazy got, stuff that we've seen. Well, that's, that's why I say that, because Did, even... Have you heard my Adam Wickwire story? No. Where I, give me, we, give we me got one, into man. a brawl? No, okay, give me this so do you know who Adam Wickwire is? Yeah. So Adam Wickwire is like, just for the audience, Adam Wickwire is like, um, like he was sort of like an A minus or B plus level surfer around say 2002 from Florida. He was a, he's a really good surfer and he's a good kid, a good guy. Um, so I'm working at Surfer Magazine and me and Jake Howard, who who now writes for the Journal and Surfline and stuff, and I think probably Surfer now run or works for. Oh no, okay, you're right. Sorry, Jake Howard. We, we both work at Surfer Magazine and. And Honda comes to us with those Honda Element cars, right? Yep. And and they're like, hey, we want to do something with you know Surfer Magazine and the Surfer Lifestyle. Let's do. And so, and so I come up with, okay, well, let's do this. Or it was actually Chris Smith and me, and I. We we go. Let's just do this. Let's take two Honda Elements and a crew of pro surfers, and we'll just travel the whole Baja Peninsula, and we'll just do stories on it and provide content. And this is when the internet was just starting. Right. We're like, we'll provide internet content, you know, and. Blah, blah, blah. We'll do a story in the magazine. We'll do a full-page ad. They're like, okay, good. So we we pick Adam Wickwire, and it's um, Jesse Hines from North Carolina, yep. and Greg Long was on the trip, Alex Gray, a bunch of guys. About, well, like four or five pros, and me and Jake and a couple of Jake's buddies who were there just as like operations help. Good guys, like a former Navy SEAL guy and this other guy. Really good guys. I forget their names. but <clears throat> So I'm sort of in charge of this trip as the senior, so to speak. Uh, editorially and so we drive down and we do the trip and we're going and and we're not getting any waves and it's kind of crappy we're getting a few waves but it's just not good and it's getting kind of salty and it's like day eight or nine and we're we're leaving scorpion bay and it's like raining and it's been flat and we're going further south and um we're like look let's just drive to la paz and get a hotel room and kind of rinse off and like reboot you know totally because we're all a little bit salty and and um and Adam Wickwire is like 15 years old and he's just being full like 15 year old, right? And I'm like, I'm 35 or something like that at the time, right around there. And he's just getting under my skin and he knows it and he's pushing all the buttons and I'm just like, mm, you know, like, and, and after like a 10 hour drive to La Paz, we check in and we get into the hotel room and I'm just like, yes, you know, I, I throw down on the bed, turn on Sports Center and I'm just like, just beat, hungry, angry, tired, disheveled, dirty, everything. And I don't see it, but he comes up and he farts on my face. What? Super loud. Oh, my and God. And brutal. Man. And just starts laughing, you know? And he doesn't know it yet, but he just he just clipped the, he just clipped <laughs> the fishing line. The very I, last straw. The last straw was clipped. I fully snapped. And I just chased him around the room. And I finally pinned him down and I got him into a position where like I was on top of him and and his back and his ribs were right there. And I just friggin' laid the gnarliest two rib shots oh as hard as I God. could, like like wanting to break his ribs. Like, wow, I had fully lost it. Okay. And I'm not proud of this. I'm just saying yeah. this happened. You right. know, like I this isn't, you know, a stellar moment in yeah. my career. At Surfer Magazine. <laughs> so it's a big scene. Like, everyone was kind of laughing and blah, blah, blah. And then they realize how pissed I am. And it's like, just goes dead quiet. And I'm just like, 
you know, and I'm dropping F bombs and, and he's just going, Oh, you know, and I'm like, I'm convinced I broke both his ribs. So here I am, a 35 year old man. Yeah. I just broke a pro surfer who's 15 years old, who's here on permission of his parents, broke his ribs. <laughs> and, and everyone's like dead quiet. And Jake, I was like, Oh my God. And everyone's just like kind of freaks out. And, and we all sort of reconvene. And, and now like Jake, so Jake calls surfer magazine to go, we have an incident, you know, an incident has occurred, you know, Scott's punched Adam Wickwire, you know, and I think Sam George or Brad Malekian or somebody or Rick Irons, I don't know. Somebody picks up the phone and is like, oh my God, we've got a scene, you know, Scott flipped out and all this stuff. And of course, they don't really know the context of it. They just think that I. It kind of doesn't matter, to it be honest. Well, that's true. That's absolutely true. At the end of the day, you punch a 15 year old. It does not matter. Right. It's totally true. So, um, Jake's like, Jake Howard's kind of freaking out. And I grab the phone. I'm like, look, whatever. You know, like, and I kind of just went, look, I'm sorry. Okay, whatever. Do with me what you will. I threw myself at the mercy of, of whoever it was. I think it was, it might have been Brad Malekian, but I think at one point, I got on the phone with Sam George and he just goes, what is the big deal? So what? You punched a kid for farting on you. Like you're in Mexico, dude. Like this, this happens all the time. I don't know why everyone's freaking out, you know? Yeah. But of course the, you know, the sort of the, the managing editor who is Brad Malekian at the time, he's got to deal with it. Like yeah. he's going to have to call the parents and stuff. So he's like, all right, well, what do we do? And yeah. they, I think they, we kind of just let it blow over. And of course I apologize. I, do remember just kind of like letting up the reins of control of the trip and which was probably a big part of the problem. Like I, I'm sure that I was more than 50% of the problem. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I want to make sure that my side of the street is, um, is understood. You know, like I'm not saying that I was in the right at all. You know, like I'm sure that I was a complete jerk, you know, like I, I you know, so anyway, the point is, that's my punching Adam Wickwire. We we all made it. We made up, and it was all good. And was he injured? No, he didn't. Okay, we did, I didn't break his ribs. Apparently, I don't have the same strength that I <laughs> that I once had. Well, but, um, but that's just one of many Baja stories. But I think that one's kind of funny because it is cool that nobody got hurt. But yeah, at the yeah. moment, it was like a big deal. Like it was like oh, the yeah. trips over. Oh yeah. But we went on down to Cabo, got a house, um, okay. hung out, did some more stuff, and that's everything funny. was cool. That's funny. When you said, oh, did I tell And Adam's you? a cool guy, too, for the record. I, you know, sure. Adam, we're, look, have I, isn't it true that I've done stupid stuff when I was 15? Yeah, I did oh, stupid stuff yesterday. Yeah, and you know, when you so, were 35, apparently. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the, there's, a, there's a train of circumstances that seems to be um, um, not good. Well, the funny thing is when you started and said, hey, did I tell you that Adam Wickwire story about... I, I thought I heard you say him getting in a brawl. I didn't know you meant you and him getting in a brawl. I thought he got in a brawl with somebody in a bar. So that's a solid story. Um, well, uh, I got this email from a listener, and he said the subject line says "Surf Surfing World Cup question mark Majors question mark." Yeah, it says, "Hey guys, love your show and become a recent addict. Would love to hear your thoughts on why we don't have surfing version of the World Cup." He goes on to explain why that makes sense, and then he also says a final topic would be why doesn't the WCT have majors similar to golf or tennis, where certain events are elevated in terms of prestige, uh, prize money, and count for more points? And I'm thinking to myself, this guy must not Jason, <laughs> you just said you're an addict of the show. Yeah. Have you? Scott has done I don't know six hours on this topic in the last year. I've written um, articles about Scott, this. This is I think you must. Jason must have read one of your articles, not known it was you, and yeah. then wrote this. So, anyways, Jason, rather than me replying to your email, um, I will. 
say on air. Good. Yes, Scott has covered this in Go great length. RSS feed and listen to some old shows. But good, good, good yeah. point. I yeah. mean, that is a good idea, and I agree with you that we don't have a good reason why those things don't take place. Did you actually mention it to Dave Proden? Maybe you did. I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the majors you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. I did. The so yeah, listen to last episode as well, Jason. By the way, I got some emails. I don't have them in front of me, but um, a lot of Dave Proden fans and a lot of WSL fans after that interview, Dave really, um, um, you know, did a great job of representing himself and the WSL. And I know you and I walked away even bigger fans uh, of Dave specifically. He handled himself great, and it was a great interview. Well spoken, clearly intelligent. Like I'll tell you, a lot smarter than I had previously given him credit for, and and of course. That's contempt prior to investigation because I sure. didn't really even know Dave. I yeah. just figured he was just some communications lackey. But I would suggest to you that he's a much smarter man than I. I was really impressed with him. Yep, me too. Um, I got this email about Courtney Conlog's nude photo shoot. I love it. In Sports Illustrated. Yep. The body issue. Yep. It says, um, regarding Courtney's nude photo shoot, er, listen, I am by no means a perfect example of the male physique, but I think Courtney is. <laughs> <laughs> the single best joke we've gotten in an email. <laughs> she looks a bit masculine, doesn't she? Or am I being mean? Just throwing out some controversial thoughts. And before you jump to any conclusions, I love female surfing almost to David-esque levels. And I'm not in Scott's quote, chicks are not as good as dudes camp. I think they rip, but perhaps Courtney should stay clothed. Now, if Malia Manuel wanted to do a photo shoot nude, I would have a camera ready. Aloha, Ben. <laughs> and I sent Ben a reply, and I said, Ben, if chicks are as good as dudes, then put them in the same heats. Courtney is gnarly looking and would spit David Lee scales out like a used watermelon seed. <laughs> Thanks for listening, Ben. Scott. First of all, nowhere in that email did he say women are as good as men. Well... What did he say? Let's just follow it back. He said, so I think chicks, they rip. Right. Chicks are not as, you know, he said. Chicks are not as good as dudes. I don't fall into the chicks yeah. are not as good as dudes camp. Referring to you. Which would suggest he, that chicks are as good as dudes. No, then he follows it up and says, I think they rip. So I just want to clarify that detail. And by this. the way, it's ESPN's body issue, not All right, sports Thank industry. you, ESPN. Yeah. I was thinking about this. Yeah. When was the last time you saw like Courtney Conlog drop an edit? Or any know, of these girls drop. Tyler Wright just did drop a little edit, right? In yeah, Western well, Australia slabs or whatever. Yeah, she got shacked. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about ripping. Like, because no, getting shacked, you know, like, look, you know, we even seen Steph Gilmore, I think, in Baja and mainland Mexico and Selena Cruz getting shacked. Or whatever. But when was the last time? Like, you, do you, you ever ask yourself, how come we're not I seeing, do. you know, Steph Gilmore in her radical air segment? I'll tell and you I, why. Or I'll tell well, you I know my, why. You don't need to tell me why. I'll tell you they my, don't exist. Well, let me comment on it. Right. Um, I remember when Sage Erickson dropped off tour two years ago. And I thought to myself, well, that happens with dudes all the time. And then they go and create a uh, film career, you know, or uh, just dropping edits every other month career like Dane Reynolds used to do or whatever. Craig Anderson, Clay Marzo. There's endless examples yeah. of guys. Nick Rosa, actually a neighbor of Sage Erickson. They're both from Ventura County. And so I saw, based on her Instagram posts, she's working with a filmer. I think his name's Willie Kessel. So it's like she's off tour. She's surfing all the time. She's got a filmer with her that she's working with. And so I was anticipating some edits, but she never did. And I think she's trying to requalify now. But 
the reality is those the clips that she would get with that guy Willie, she would post on Instagram. She had enough good quote unquote uh, clips to make a fifteen second video for Instagram, not enough to make a three minute edit that would compel viewers to watch on stab, you know. So that's what it comes down to. But right, she she can't her brand who whoever she's like marketing for. I don't know. It used to be Oakley. Sector Nine or something. Oakley? It used to be Oakley, but I'm not sure anymore. Um, they're just like no thanks, you know. Like right. don't put that out because the that, comment section that on ruins Stab will eat you alive. That ruins our brand, yeah. you know. But I okay. So here's the other thing. Uh, Lola, I think her name's Lola Migno or Mignot or something. M I G N O T. Mm-hmm. She's a longboarder. Yeah. She just released an edit. It's slow motion longboarding, so it's not high performance shortboarding. Yeah. But it's beautiful. And I would also argue. Oh, Scott's rolling his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> You are. You totally did. So no, you, like, you would watch that and you'd be hypnotized I'm, by it. I'm stoked for her and I would watch it and I would probably like it. You I'm really not, would. I'm just saying how many slow motion beautiful longboard edits do we need? I don't know, but that one captivated me. And her, who are t- her sponsors? I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you what. Among my favorite Instagram accounts to follow tend to be female longboarders. Like hers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. At least we're getting no, away from Gabe Medina. And- they really are. I mean, I don't think I even follow Gabe Medina, to be honest. I'm, but I, every time I scroll through and I see You've one of those. You've got a Luke Davis thing. I know you do. I, I do. you got to think for Luke Davis. Uh, so I'm going to pull up my phone right now. Right. When, I, when I come across hers, and uh, there's quite a few others, they're always beautiful. Cassia Mador, you know, it's like you yeah, scroll, Cassia's and it's, great. they have such a good aesthetic in terms of photography and, and the, I don't know, the imagery is just beautiful. So maybe they're not producing groundbreaking, um, high performance shortboard clips, but they're adding a lot of value to the surf experience, in my opinion. Yeah, that certainly are adding value. I'm just saying, you know, they're sort of, and I guess you could say this with the men's high performance clips, they're sort of like, you know, interchangeable, I guess. Sure. Yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious. And there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, do you have another email or shall we get into the show now that we're 30 minutes in <laughs> banter? Uh, we better get into the show. <laughs> um, do, what do you want to start with? Uh, I do have another email. That, okay. um, basically, this guy, Tobias, who's, who's an avid listener, um, he lives in the Bay Area. And he says that the show helps his commute each morning. Um, but he, his email, and I'll just read it. Gabe Medina versus Kelly Slater and Scott's assertion that no way Gabby serves as good as Kelly. I have to disagree vociferously. Fascinating. Good word. If you look at any factor of Gabby's surfing, he has Kelly's number. Consistency, power, dynamism, X factor, and variation. He beats Kelly on every single one. Just right there. That's Just that part of Tobias's email is worth dissecting a little bit, but... Is Gabby more consistent than Kelly? In recent years, for sure he is. Well, There's no doesn't question. consistency mean 11 world titles? Like, Well, you can you can pick a window of time and then decide. Okay, how about, about the last 20 years well, for consistency? Well, Gabe's 21 years old, so well, then he's not So really. then he's not, you can't compare him to Kelly then. What you'd have to do is start with their professional career. No, what you would do, yeah, let's. Yeah. Start so once they years became ago. a professional. No, no, let's start. We're talking about consistency. I agree. Right. But so, you have to start when Gabe became a professional. Why, server, why don't you start? Consistency kicks in. No, no. The consistency kicks in when Kelly won his first world title or even before then. When you're judging his career, yes. No, but we're judging his that. versus Gab. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the timeline for Kelly starts when Kelly started surfing. I think we can both agree that Kelly is way more consistent over his career than Gabby over his career. Um... How Actually, many world titles did Ga- did Gabby have his first three years, and how many did Kelly have? Uh, Gab had none, or none his first three years. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe might have taken him maybe fourth one. year or something. Yeah. Um, how many did Kelly have? I don't know. Three. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so Kelly wins there. No, how? I, I, come on, you didn't win that argument, dude. That's not necessarily. You true. think that Gabby? Well, you're is saying more- over the course of their career, Kelly's had a lot of downtime in his career. Gabe really hasn't. Gabe's been at the top of his game since day one. You know what I mean? It's a shorter career, but he's had no downtime. Okay, so you're saying Gabby's more consistent than Kelly Slater. Dude, we'd have to run stats, but I would say that's a valid argument. We need Dave Prodan to give us a rundown. Al Hunt. Al. Is Al still involved? I think so. Power. Is Gabby more powerful than Kelly? Probably not. I'd say that's a wash, right? Yeah. Kelly's not necessarily known as uber powerful, like yeah. like a rail game, you know. But but I think Kelly's power is also um, understated, like it's sort of hidden. Like he's more powerful than you might think. And I think Gabe is too, though. You know? Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, dynamism. I'm gonna go give that to Kelly. Kelly gets the nod. Dynam. What does exactly that mean? Is that the ability to like? To bring a wave to you when you need one in a heat or to just like be in tune? What is dynamism? I think it has to do dynamics? with... Dynamics? Yeah, I think it has to do with being dynamic on the wave itself so that there's like an element of explosion when you don't expect it and um, improvisation maybe. Improvisation? So I think Kelly has... If Kelly has him, he barely has him. 
I would say. Gabby's See, pretty dynamic. Gabby's dynamic, but it's predictable. You know, it's right. like you know what he's going to do before he does it. Like where you might see Kelly do a 360 not knowing it's going to happen. Right, he'll carving. throw a carving three when you think he's going to do a snap. Right. That, and so I don't know, but I agree with you. What about X Factor? I don't even know what that is. That could be kind of thrown into dynamic. Yeah, dynam- hard to define that. And then variation. Kelly's way more has way more variation in his surfing than Gabby, who we know is either, like you said, he's predictable. Two, yeah. three pumps down the line and boosting in air. Or, or bottom turn. 18 Rios on the backhand right. at J-Bay. Right. You know, or Bells. Um, so Tobias says that Gabby beats Kelly on every one of these. And Tobias, sadly, you're incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I think Tobias, by the way, I've argued Tobias's point, which is just that Kelly's got, Gabe's got Kelly's number at spots that you would think Kelly would dominate, like maxed out or perfect eight-foot cloud break. Gabe's beat him there the last couple of years in a row. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Um, beat him. He might, I mean, I know he's trounced him, dude. Okay. Well, here Tobias goes on to say that let's take a 22-year-old Kelly Slater and stack him up against a 22-year-old Gabriel Medina. Gabby would still have his number. And I would go beyond that to say that if Kelly was 22 now, he would not go on to win 10 world titles. The competition is so much more fierce today. I think that's probably true, but I don't, I don't think that's fair because the person that made competition what it is today is the last 15 years of Kelly Slater dominating the tour. So right. um, think not just Gabby, but look at John, John Jordy, Julian Felipe. Look at them today and then watch surf. Well, you can't compare 20 years ago to no, today. No, you really that's can't. Just, that's just apples and oranges. Um, so, yeah, again, uh, Tobias. Thinks, no. No, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I like Tobias. I agree with Tobias. And here's the thing. I, I will point out oftentimes just the uh, objective truth of what's happening. Like Gabriel's beat Kelly in these conditions. And do you think – Ga- So that's what I'm do pointing out. Do you think Gabriel – Hold on. Okay, sorry. Hold on, hold on. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. So Go ahead. I point out those things, but I would like to provide a caveat, which is I'm a huge Kelly Slater fan. And I would prefer Kelly win. And I love Kelly. And wow, he's my this, guy. This is a big change. But, no, it's not. It's the truth but that I've always felt. But when we talk on this show, I have to state the obvious, which is Gabe's got Kelly's number at Cloudbreak. Right. That is just a truth. You know, so do you think and this is what I was going to ask you before I so rudely tried to interrupt you. Do you think that Gabby will be on tour at 44 years old, which is about 22 years from now? Probably not. And will he have 12 world titles or 11 world? Definitely not. Tighter competition nowadays. Yeah, there's there's 10 guys vying for the title nowadays. Yeah. Um, By the way, did you catch Dave Proden reference or say that Kelly listens to the show? I did. Is awkward. this why you're backtracking? <laughs> now we know. No, you're he, trying to get onto Kelly's wave pool, aren't you? He just said it like in kind of passing, and then we like ran on. But it's, there was some it's conviction stuck, behind it. Stuck that. with me. There was some conviction. I went home that night and I rested well. I was like, <laughs> my all my goals in life has been have been achieved. So in now this it's, very moment. let's just go serve lunches at the soup kitchen because we've done everything. Need. Yeah, I'm fully validated in my life. Well, let's talk about the. Since we're into high-performance competitive surfing, let's talk a little bit about J-Bay. The John John Florence versus Jordy Heat, the quarterfinal heat, went down. That's sort of been, for lack of a better phrase, the highlight of this competition. Low light. The low light, but the highlight, right? So I my, I don't know. Did you see Shane Haran's Facebook post on this? It's no, really good. No. If you go onto my Facebook page, you can see it. But Why did you repost it? Yeah, I did. Okay. I'll do it. But basically, I'm going to restate what 
what Shane Haran said, which I agree with all of what Shane said. And he basically said, look, Jordy surfed as if he was trying not to fall. And John John Florence surfed with an abandon. And John John on a couple, one or two, one wave in particular went for a big air, didn't land it. And then Jordy would take off and sort of do these like soft half top turn floaters, skittish surfing as if he was just trying to kind of hang in there. Mm. And then John John went crazy and landed it. You know, and do you want to listen to Shane real quick? Sure. Let's listen to Shane Haran. Yeah. With Geordie and John John was a classic. It was Geordie was surfing tentatively and conservatively, and he caught the best waves in the heat. John John was surfing radical, and he was underscored on one wave, and then the wave that he took off and did the massive big air. And we're all sitting there wondering, well, what's he going to get for this one manoeuvre? And they've given him the highest score of the heat, which I think's great for surfing because he went for it. Geordie was conservative. He was looked real tentative in all his manoeuvres. He looked like he was, he was almost going to fall doing easy stuff, where John John was on the edge of falling doing the cutting edge stuff. Now... The, the heat before, we saw Gabriel Medina lose his heat because he went for this massive aerial 360 and paid the price. And John John went for this huge air and made it, and the judges rewarded it. And that's what we want to see in surfing. We want to see the cutting-edge stuff. We don't want this conservative stuff. It'll push surfing forward. All right. And I agree, and I'm sure you do too because I've heard you share that. Now, yeah. do you agree on the last score that John John Florence got, which is sort of the controversy here? I do. A 3.37 is what he was given. I think he needed a 3.17. He took off on a basically a closeout, did one crucial floater, kind of a free fall at the end, and then was late in the final sort of closing maneuver, but did get his board up into the lip and – and it was sort of a half-hearted attempt, but he made it. No. See, I think that's the point of difference. That closing turn, I thought, was gnarly. It was like the lip was falling. He was super late, and he still threw it up, smashed the thing, got smacked down, yeah. and pulled it. Yeah, that's an interesting was, way to look at it. It was I crazy. Never, I didn't even think about it like that. I just thought about it more like he missed it. But he, but he, but he made the wave. He was late in his approach, yeah. but not by any fault of his own. Like the wave just happened to be pitching. Right. And he's like, well, I got to squeeze one more maneuver in. And he pulled it off and it was gnarly. Well, Jordy was obviously upset and said as much during the Rosie Hodge interview right after the heat. That was awesome. In which he said what? Rosie said, what are your reactions to this heat? Overscored. Overscored on his last wave. Last wave was overscored, yeah. Yeah, he was not pulling any punches. Like, Jordy wasn't pulling any punches. He said John John was overscored. And that's what you and I have been screaming about for a long time. We want those moments. That's why we're talking about this heat as much as anything was that Jordy was upset. He was, and and I think that's good for the broadcast. Yep. That's good and compelling content. Yep. Might not be good for Jordy, may or may not be good for whoever else but it's good for you and I it keeps us engaged and interested and it makes it fun and we see passion and that's important yeah so here's the thing that heat ran in abysmal conditions but there was tons of waves before the heat started so I think they made the right call by calling the event on 
they also ended up calling the event off right after that heat. Like they only ran one heat that day. And it was because the swell was dwindling <clears throat> and the wind in particular got really hairy early. So um, they made the right call by calling it on based on the conditions that they were surveying in the morning. Unfortunately, in hindsight, it turned out to be the wrong call because the waves turned really, really poor during their heat. And they actually had a restart at the beginning of the heat. Um, and they probably would have had a second restart, but John John went on a tiny little piece of crap wave and prevented that from happening. Now, did you see the I, I, Surfline did a great little piece on this? I didn't read it. Well, apparently, about forty-five minutes after they called the competition for the day, the wind straightened out again for about oh, okay. an hour and a half. Okay, and it got crowded, and it was good. Yeah, and Jordy was tearing the living bags out of it and yep. pissed, and he was showing it. Yep. And that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, the interesting thing is John John's in the world title hunt. I think he's second or third and on the rankings. And so this heat had huge implications for the rest of the year, which it doesn't for Jordy, really. You know, so if somebody conspiracy, no, no conspiracy, but it just like yeah. in, in terms of a karmic look at it, I'm glad John John won. And to be honest, if you just look at those two waves, John John deserved. I think John John was the better surfer. Yeah, I think if you from a thirty thousand foot yeah. level, if you didn't weren't applying scores to each ride, and you just went, who looks like the better surfer? Yeah, you'd say, shit, that kid that did that aerial is way better than that guy that was just going down the line doing floaters. Right. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, before the event, there was a lot of talk about this sharp migration system that they were implementing, which is basically a buoy that tracks. Um, sea life's swimming patterns and it identifies sharks and it alerts people when there's a shark in the area. I haven't heard anybody talk about it on the broadcast. Yeah, and, and the, somebody else commented that during Mick's first heat, there was no discussion at all about the shark. Which prior to the event, it was all shark talk all the time. Yeah. And then the event started and nobody's mentioned it. It's almost like they put a kibosh on it. Like it feels yeah. like there's a production kibosh that was put on this. Like, let's not talk about that. Because it'd be in poor taste if you are, I mean, if something bad happened and you're, I don't know. No, it's, dude, that, it's a fact of, it's journal, it's just good journalism. Like, yeah. There was a shark okay. attack here last year at this event. It was involved this guy. This is his first heat since then. Why aren't we at least saying, you know, even, you know, like, John, look, John McEnroe would bring it up. Right. That, I always use him as the, did you watch Wimbledon, by the way? No. Anyway, John McEnroe is just the greatest. You yeah. know, he's such a good color commentator and he because he doesn't care. And that's why they pay him at NBC because right. they're like, dude, just be yourself. And yep. we need somebody to go out there. We need Brad Gerlach or some. Oh, by the way, did Martin Potter get fired? Well, he wasn't there, but I don't know if he got fired. Huh. Did you hear something? No. Well, I, there there's a, like all these rumblings in the parking lot about, you know, I'm getting texts like too bad about pots or all you know like and i'm like what happened what happened like i don't even know what happened well you would think that he'd be there because he's south african right right and so that would be the event that he would be at but yeah i don't know why he's not there i'm sure he's still involved i think that you know they take they they pick and choose which event they can't be at all but that of them, would you know? be one that they would choose him to be at because well, of his history or his yeah, lineage the last one the fiji event peter mel wasn't at and he's at this one and so I think that at the beginning of the year, they're like, which one do you want? I'm going to need time off here for my family, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so maybe there was a conflict yeah. of uh, schedule. It's just his time off. Well, um, so Kelly Slater actually, interestingly, has been riding a board shaped by Keone Downing. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Isn't it? 
That's so cool. Yeah, and love ripping that. on That's it. the board he's riding? That- Kelly, yeah. Yeah. That board looks so spicy. That he is looks, so cool that he looks Keone the best made that, that board. I didn't well, like, know that. I guess Keone made him a couple of boards last year for J-Bay that Kelly didn't end up riding. And I, I think Keone never even heard back. From what I read, wherever I read it, I forget. But um, he never even heard back from Kelly. But then this year, right before the event, Keone, or I think after Heat 1, Kelly sent Keone a text and was like, Hey, go watch the heat analyzer from Heat One. I was riding your board that you gave me last year. You know, like let me know what you think or something like that. Um, but I'll be honest, Kelly looks the best he's looked in years, which brings to light a different topic, which is why doesn't Kelly perform on his own equipment? Like well, Kelly was I'm riding Kelly Slater shapes throughout the rest of the year and blowing it, and now he gets on somebody else's equipment and he's ripping. And he used to rip on the Channel Island stuff, you know. Yeah, I don't. I. I I'm just I'm just stoked that he's that he's riding other people's boards. I just think that's fascinating. But you're right. I mean, yeah, it's not good for the brand, right? <laughs> but I don't care. Well, Beach Grit wrote a little piece on it. I, by the way, I've heard those Stewie Kennedy boards are just like you can't even stock them. In. They're like those the Tomo Firewire sci-fi. Stewie. Yeah, the sci-fi. It's just like you can't even find them. They're just selling out everywhere. Yeah. Well, um, Beach Grit wrote a little piece about this saying like Kelly doesn't use any of it or he doesn't advertise any of his own stuff. Like he doesn't, he's not drinking a bottle of perps after his heat win. He's not wearing outer known gear. He doesn't have an outer known sticker on his board. He's not riding Kelly Slater surfboards in this event in particular. Um, so what's the deal well, with who's that? Who's to say that that's not going to be a Kelly Slater design? Like who's to say that right. he's not like, you know, cause I look at it more like it, look, it's R and D. He's like, yep. I like this. Let's put this into production and get Keone a couple bucks. And I love this board. Of course. But usually R and D is done behind the scenes. And then not with Kelly. When has he ever done R and D behind the scenes? Like with the wave pool for 10 years. Well, I mean boards like he, well, he rides weird boards. You're like, Whoa, that's cool. You know, like, couple, yeah. you know, like he's done that at snap where you've seen him on stupid stuff. You're like, why is he riding that? You know, like exactly. But that's what I'm saying is that's, he's the anomaly. Normally, R and D is done behind the scenes, right. and then you go to a world tour event showcasing your 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 brand. Yeah, you know. So it's just it's odd. It's an odd approach, but I like it. It's almost I like too. it's almost like a reverse. Trans- it's like so much transparency. It's over the top because I know that at home he's probably drinking perps. When he goes out to dinner, he's wearing outer known. Like he, you know, when he's surfing Huntington Pier, he's probably riding one of his boards. <laughs> I don't think he surfs Huntington Pier. Well, but you know yeah. what I mean. Wherever, just a generic spot. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Did you see a Graham Benzinger's article or video piece with him? No. Do you know who Graham Benzinger is? No. Nor I didn't either, but apparently this dude is a really well-respected journalist, like a young guy who got into the journalism game and just kind of like blew up, blew up, Eww. interviewed a bunch of important people at an early yeah, age. And, so he did is that this, in New York or something or where's he from? I don't think so. Um but he, apparently so anyway, he did this 10-part video series. They're about two or three minutes each. They're on YouTube with Kelly, and he got really, really good stuff with Kelly. And Kelly takes him to tour Outer Known in Venice or Santa Monica or wherever they are. Oh, cool. I'll have to um, look at that. I'll, I'll post them or send them to you. Yeah. Really good pieces. I'll just give you the titles from a couple of the pieces. Like, you know, he probably got a 30-minute interview, but they spliced it into two or three good. minute That's segments. Yeah. Um, one of them is titled, I Was 21, World Champ, and Broke. And cool. in that piece, Kelly talks about having earned millions of dollars by the time he was 21 and then went to buy a house and didn't have the money for it because his finances had been mismanaged. Wow. And um, also talks about struggling 
for lunch money when he was a kid because you know his mom yeah. was single mom and all yeah. that sort of thing. Talks about how his dad's death forced him to kind of confront being a man. Talk about Kelly Slater as a father, and he talks about regret that he has about raising his daughter and wow. being an absentee father. Wow. Um, That's about, why we love Kelly, man. He throws it all out there, you know? He, yeah. He's okay to excavate his character defects because he knows that by doing that, he's going to grow. Like, he's not afraid to put himself in his own judgment. Yep. Yeah. This was a really in-depth piece. Um, the best thing I've seen on Kelly in a long time. Cool. I want to so, look at that. That yeah, sounds great. Yeah. I'm going to put them all on boardroomshow.com. And surfsplendorpodcast.com <laughs> <laughs> That was smooth. I've got some breaking news from back channels. Break it. We need a breaking news sound drop. Breaking news. Some of my very uh, secretive back channel sources are telling me that regarding the Olympics in Japan, there will be three countries which are going to get two surfers each. Okay. Those countries are the USA, Brazil, and Australia. Makes sense. Two surfers each, both men and women. Okay. Seven other countries are going to get one surfer. Those countries are going to include Japan, Mexico, France, and four others yet to be determined. Okay. There will be three to four stops on a qualifying series, all held in the continental United States, mm. running beach breaks, since the contest will 99.9% .9 be a beach break in Japan. Okay. Behind the scenes, a personal rallying cry from Dirk Ziff to put the Olympics in the wave pool fell flat. Oh, wow. And they will be surfing this in natural waves in Japan, not in a pool. Okay. The entire dealio, of course, is going to be run by the ISF and basically Fernando Aguirre. Also, the WSL at first had put sort of a line in the sand regarding their WSL surfers. They have agreed to now allow WSL surfers to compete in the qualifying series and then the Olympics. Okay. So it could be the case that we get Kelly Slater in the Olympics in the USA in 2020. He'll be 48. Yeah, he talks about it in these interviews. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, that's going to be interesting, right? Like just only two two spot, you know, two spots. Know. Who does Brazil get? Who does Australia? Get? The USA, which will include Hawaii. Yep. Right. Has to. So who? It's John, John, and Kelly. Yeah, I, is it I was John John and Kanoa at that point is is Connor like who's who is Kolohe like who's the USA guy that's gonna and maybe it's somebody that's not even on our radar yet in four years it could be some kid that just won NSSA nationals at lower Griffin Colapento yes something. exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of fascinating and I know that the other nation states are probably struggling with this not struggling it's a great problem to have yeah who will Australia's you know, well, for Brazil, if it's in beach breaks and it was held tomorrow, you'd go Felipe and Gabriel. That's what I would pick no, for Brazil. No Italo, no, no Chao Abeli, no. They haven't proven themselves yet. We want to look at the consistency over their whole career, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both surfers' careers. Anyway, let's not digress. Actually, I don't want those guys because they'll smoke us. <laughs> I don't Keep think those so. Guys off. Put put uh, Miguel Pupo on on the team. That's what I want. <laughs> Put Jaddy on the team. Jaddy with that smile. 
Um, for the men, though, I think Kaloe is a good pick. You know, you do. Yeah, I do. Competitively, or and beach break. Yeah. By the way, Connor Coffin's heat um, at J Bay. Yeah. Uh, he was sort of disappointed in his final score. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't heat. see this heat. I think it was round two. It was a round two heat. And um, he was basically saying, hey, man, I was surfing like I would always surf at home at a point break. Lots of rail game. Lots of – and and the judges were saying, dude, you got to get – you got to put it into the lip and bust those fins out. Hmm. And, you know, he was doing these really cool drop wallet rail carves. Right. As opposed to going up and beyond, busting the fin, sliding along the lip. Adam Melling took him out. Yeah, lost by less than a point. And um, his, his post-heat interview was kind of telling. He was like, you know, that's just the way I like to surf. That's the way I think it should be done. You know, maybe I need to re-examine it. I, I, it was still early. He's like, I haven't even seen the replay. But right. I felt like I was underscored. And wow. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm a big fan of Connor surfing. He was on my fantasy team, and so I was sad to see him go down. And to be honest, super sad to see Jordy lose in those conditions too. I am not sad when Jordy loses. Really? Yeah. Was he on your team? I took him off. Cringe. I cringed when I took him off because I knew it was sort of a bad move. But I just can't root for Jordy. Who? How's your team doing, by the way? I have two left out of uh, what eight? Two, four, six. Yeah, I have two left out. I have Gabe and Kelly. There's seven no. left. I have John John, yeah, Kelly, and Gabe. Is Gabe still in it? Yeah. Yeah, I got three. Okay. How I about you? I've got four. I've ah, got the three. Dick. I've got one guy in each of the three quarterfinals, and I've got John John in the semi already. So I'm hoping. Who are your guys? Like, can I root against anybody? Kelly, Mick, Gabriel, John John. And I had Jordy too. But we, we need to root against Mick. No, we don't. Dude, I think Mick is the guy in this event. Mick looks so good. Oh, God. It's amazing. Love me some. By the way, Chris Johnson, our friend who emails yeah. us, did you see that he sent us an email about subjective sports? Last time we were talking about yeah. what are some other subjective sports. He said that, or you asked me, and I couldn't really come up with anything off the cuff, but then he sent a list. Synchronized swimming, ice skating, springboard diving, dressage, marching, rock climbing, cheerleading, beauty contests, podcasting, <laughs> pornography. <laughs> <laughs> and boxing hilarious yeah. um speaking of rock climbing and documentaries have you seen valley uprising no about yosemite and the whole climbing history there it's phenomenally good yeah made, i want to see that i think i know what north, that's about made by the north face oh really yeah, yeah. but like again phenomenally good yeah it makes me want to climb actually oh really yeah have you ever climbed recreationally on fake walls yeah. i haven't done like real walls like in a wave pool type of thing exactly um, did you see josh kerr surfing kelly's wave pool yeah that was pretty incredible i just saw it happen to see that the other day yeah so a couple of other thoughts before yeah. we wrap up the show i've um, got another news piece i need to talk about okay real quickly did you see rasta left billabong no dave rostovich did he leave them or did they leave him he's moved to patagonia Oh, good. That's a perfect fit. Isn't it a great fit? That is a perfect fit. I love it. By this. the way, Patagonia, and I've said this before, and I know Hurley's probably number one. Patagonia is everywhere. Everywhere I go, like the older demographic of male surfers that I see, they're wearing Patagonia. And I mean like 30 years from 30 years old, maybe even 25 years old to 70. Yep. I see guys wearing Patagonia stuff. Like I was just on a surf trip. I didn't even mention it out loud. I just saw all the guys, you know, a lot of the guys had Patagonia trunks, board shorts, 
They had Patagonia jackets, you know, like the windbreakers. They had Patagonia gear, man. They had yeah. Patagonia backpacks. Yep. Patagonia is killing it, and I'm glad for them. I'm a huge fan. And I, I, think I think they're like 1A as far as realistic, true surf brands. I think they're amazing. And Yvonne Chouinard is actually interviewed in this documentary that I was just talking about, Valley Uprising. Um, but you know what needs to happen? Tell me. Outerwear, outer known needs to go away, and Kelly needs to become a Patagonia guy. I could wow. see that happening. I can't. In like eight years. I can't. Like Kelly needs to paycheck and they're like come under the umbrella and it's all of all the ideals all of the principles that kelly believes in it, it it's just perfect it's it like is, that is the perfect brand for kelly slater i'm sorry it is except for the fact that that's why he created outer known was to compete with patagonia right to do the exact same thing i don't know if competes the right term i bet he i don't know if he would Maybe he would say, yeah. Look, it's but- not like he created it to compete. But I'm saying is when they looked at who their competition is, that's the market they're catering. Well, I to. think they looked at them with, um, with you know that, um, what's that cliche where uh, to imitate is the greatest form of flattery, right? And I think that's the way they looked at him. Not like competition, but like we've got to mimic what they've done over there, only better. Yeah, I think they looked at like it and more said, fashion conscious towards the New York upscale. They looked at it and they go, look, there's space in this area of the market for another brand. And, yeah. and we want to do this and we can follow some of their lead. And um, But is Outer Known going to make it? Like, I hope it makes it. I'm not here to like poo-poo on Outer Known. I think it'll be, I'm sure it's doing well. Look, I've I've examined some of the clothing in a retailer, and I was like, not that impressed. Whereas when I pick up Patagonia stuff, I want to buy it. Yeah, Patagonia, you're like, okay, they tested this stuff. You know, Well, I mean? it's just the cut, the fit, the the aesthetics of it. It's all radical. Whereas like the Outer Known stuff. It, well, Patagonia is more like utilitarian. It is. Right? Whereas Outer Known's more like. I want to be socially conscious and wear my principles through this brand and I have the money to do it. Yeah. The problem is I have the principles, but not the money. Right. (laughs) I don't even have the money for Patagonia. I just, (laughs) but I, but I'm open to it. Like I, I honestly, I don't own any of the clothing. So who am I to say, you know, yeah. Wink, wink, Kelly, you want to send some packages these ways? Yeah. Kelly, since you listen to the show, give it a glowing review. (laughs) all, All we really want is I would like one of those nice, like, Evening out jackets, yeah. you know, sports jacket. Yeah. And what would you like? Uh, a puffer jacket. A puffer? Oh. Like, like an warm- actual, like, to wear to the beach in the morning, right. you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I have but, no idea my size. I'm, I, well, I'm a, I wear a large wetsuit. If that's <laughs> Speaking of packages. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> intentionally, uh, innuendo. I got a package from Beach Grit. Uh, with a pair of their trunks. You're kidding. No, because I paid those, I paid for the trunks. Dicks but they, left me out. No, I paid for the trunks. Thanks, Chaz. I paid for the trunks. I blame shipped all the way Shipped all the way from Australia. <laughs> but Derek threw in a couple of t-shirts for me too. Beach grit trunks Beach from grit Derek. Trunks. They are amazing, dude. <laughs> You're so wrong. <laughs> no. The smile, the glow in Derek, David's eye right now is just, it's scaring They're me. They're great, but um, more fashionable than the other trunks that I wear, meaning... The length is 
half the half the length of my normal board shorts. Like they don't come down to my knee; they go mid mid. Is this where the package in you end up? That, that was the joke. Oh yeah, God. thank you. Um, so I was thinking about posting a selfie in those trucks. Please don't. Please do not. On Instagram. Please do not. Posing. If you do, I'm going well, to send it virally to everyone. I'm waiting for the selfie stick to arrive from uh, Amazon. Shit, and then I have a it. selfie stick that I literally gave to Goodwill like two days ago. I should have brought it for you. There's no a thrift shopper who's going to be thrilled. Yeah. Their Instagram feed is going to blow up thanks to Somebody you. Somebody gave me a selfie stick. I'm like, what the hell? I will never, ever use this thing. Just... Just because it's more, it's just a pain in the ass. Like I'd rather have an umbrella in my hand than a selfie stick. I use it to scratch my back. Actually, that's the only reason. There you go. Um, there was a shark attack off Pleasure Point. A kayaker was upended. A 14 to 18 foot great white shark right outside the kelp bed while surfers were pleasuring themselves at Pleasure Point. Wow, a, the innuendo is getting intense. A and- great white shark, 18 footer, put the end of the kayak in its mouth and just rolled it over the kayaker spilt out into the water apparently the great white realized that this wasn't an edible item spat the kayak out and swam away while another boater came and rescued the kayaker who was in the water crazy this happened last week did the surfers see this go down like people witnessed this attack? let me let me read into that i'm not sure this the guy the kayaker was a 52 year old man and uh, just rattled nerves no injuries and um, it happened at 8.30 in the morning, and hundreds of surfers were battling each other for waves. And uh, the shark didn't bother any of the surfers who were in the water at the time. Um, and a shark expert up there at the Monterey Bay Aquarium calls October Sharktober because of shark sightings peak during uh, the month of October. Wow. Clever fellow he is. Yeah. Sharktober. Yeah, that, that's, that was super... Yeah. Super good. Super clever. Um, Super clever. One thing we didn't talk about on the last show, but I know you saw it. Oh, yeah. The jet ski crash into the wedge. Yeah. What was that? That was insane. What the How good was that? It was was so ridiculous. I'm sure everyone saw it. If you haven't, I'm sure David's website, surfsplenderpodcast.com, has it. My website, boardroomshow.com, has it. It's all over the internet. But two guys, a guy and a girl on a rented jet ski. Beelining it full throttle down right into the wedge as a 15 foot wave is peaking in front of them. I am assuming they missed the harbor entrance. That's the vibe that I got from that. But why'd they go into the shore break? I like you realize. I think he, I don't, first of all, I think he was just gunning it, looked behind him, saw a 15 footer and went, I got to gun it even more. You think that's what I don't know. I mean, who, like, what do you think happened? You got to get close to shore. To get into the position where you're trying to escape that wave, why was he ever that close to shore? I, you're right. I, who knows? Maybe the guy was just a full-on I, idiot. I think he's just seen the wedge in the news and was like, "Oh, let's go get a closer look." Basically, oh, and just maybe came into it. the shore break and then found himself in a predicament and then tried to gun it to get away from the wave. It was but, almost as if the jet ski stalled out in the white water, like it didn't have quite the umph there at the end where it was like sputtering because of all the foam yeah. that was coming in through the intake. Exactly. And then they got splattered up onto the rocks. Well, what makes matters it was worse? Insane. Well, yeah. Well. To pick apart what you're saying, to make matters worse, he's outrunning this 15-foot shore break, and he does so by going straight into the rocks. It's just the worst-case scenario. Freaking beaches the thing up onto the rocks, and then it gets 
him and his girlfriend just go off into the white water and just start getting thrashed so all the lifeguards have to go rescue. Then the ski gets washed off the rocks and then slammed back into the rocks, back and forth. They thankfully got rescued, and I don't think either of them actually got hurt. No. But um, who is this girl? Is this his girlfriend? Is this his wife? Is this his Tinder date? Was you it know? Dennis like, Rodman? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. He was clearly not beach savvy, though. No, like, no he and, wasn't. What I was saying um, in my outro for the last show that we recorded about that incident was like uh, the Duke of the week that week was the lifeguards. Like lifeguards put themselves on the line for absolute imbeciles. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, by li- the way, I made a couple rescues yesterday. Two rescues. Again? Yeah. How come you're, you're Cardiff. crazy, dude? And I ran into Sean. Sean Thompson was out surfing Cardiff the other day. He's like, last time I saw you, bro, you were rescuing two yeah. surfers. And I I'm remember like, yeah, that Sean, yeah, yeah. And then yesterday, was it? no, it was two days ago, two more guys in a rip. Like older gentlemen, 35-year-old gentlemen. Swimming? Boogie boarding. Just, oh, okay. But they were, what, the, the, like, for lifeguards, the number one tell-all that somebody needs help is when they get off of their boogie board and try to start swimming. That's like red light, go. Yeah. You know? Green light, go. Green light, go. We would literally, when I was a guard, we would just watch them. And as soon as they got off their boards, we were out there. Yeah. And this guy, these guys were off their boards. And so I paddled up to them. I'm like, hey. And they were calm. I'm like, hey, here's the deal. You know, like just talking to them super calm. And they're like, yeah, okay, thanks. And I'm like, let's go over here. And then one of them grabbed the tail of my board and I started paddling them. The other one kind of had caught a little wave, but this rip was so active. It was just, and eventually a lifeguard came out and, and we, we got him to shore safely. Crazy dude. Well done, Scott. That was a solid South African accent too. Thank you very much. Bro. I like it. Wait, what was that? <laughs> that was South African. You got it. Um, all right. Must, do you have must see Duke and Kook and all yeah, that stuff? Yeah. My must see moment is, um, I got a couple of them. I don't know if you saw dream steeple. I didn't watch it. Visla put out this thing, and I could see why you wouldn't watch it. You're kind of like, okay, it almost it almost reeks of like hipster, li- hipster, cool, groovy guy. Yeah. Like we made this van thing because that's what Cyrus Sutton did before us, and right. we're going to kind of copy that and and then go to Joshua Tree and take photos in it. Like that's not even the beach, you know? <laughs> like what are you what are you doing? So it did reek a lot of like they were mimicking what Cyrus has already done. Yeah. But I really appreciate some of the surfing in it. Um, Derek Disney, the, he's sort of the, the young hipster kid from Encinitas. He's a great surfer, but he draws interesting lines, you mm-hmm. know, and he and he does so in an interesting way. He kind of looks like an Andy Davis art piece. He does. That's you funny. Know, the feet are kind of together, and yeah, and um, and so I and then the Red Hot Ripper kids that are Vistla team riders, they're just D level guys relative to the rest of the. You know, people that are out there. Eric Geiselman, Cam uh, Richards, Geiselman's pretty, yeah, Brandon, they're, they're Brandon really Gibbons. great. They're great surfers. I think they are. Yeah, yeah, they're great surfers. So it's it's. I enjoyed it. You yeah. Know? So Dream Steeple's on there. Um, it motivated me to go for a surf. Okay. Thirty minute surf film for free. Right. Can't be mad at that. No. And then the other one that I watched, which I'm sure you've seen, is Skelton Bay Part Two. I didn't watch it. Well, it's shorter. I think it's about two and a half minutes long, and. I don't even know who the guys are. I think they're from Orange County. Excellent research, Scott. <laughs> Does it matter? Like, I'm not out to like sign up for their fan club. I'm just saying there's one super long barrel at the end that's shot from the land yeah. angle that's really mental. Yeah. There's one at the beginning where that's the tube angle, and it's the guy who gets on his feet and does Alex. The- Alex Smith. I don't think this is Alex. The go-kart barrel. 
There's another guy that does a go-kart. I don't think wow. it's Alex. It might be. I don't Crazy. think it is. Okay. It might be him. Regular footer? I think he's a goofy, but okay, then I'm not sure. Different then. Well, there's two moments that I've got then. Um, John John Florence's new film series called 12. Did you see this piece? No, I haven't even seen View from a Blue Moon. I have it rented here. I need okay. to watch it. All right. Well, this piece 12 is produced by the folks at Hurley, and they really stepped up production quality. It's amazingly good. And it's going to be a seven-part series, and they're going to release an episode every month. And it's documenting his time, this episode anyways, and I think the whole series is documenting his time on the world tour. I think they're doing it in anticipation of him winning the title. Like if he wins the title, they'll now have this seven part documentary series of the process. And the reason why it's called 12 is because that's his Jersey number. Mm -hmm. So I have a feeling that's kind of what they're hoping for is the world title. Um, The other piece, which is just really educational, which was produced by vice, which is a fantastic media outlet. And they have a series called, you want to be brought down. (laughs) Yeah, true. I mean, vice is just like the end of the world. If you want to see every episode, huffing huffing glue in a train station in India. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just constantly, or you want to see like what's happening with Russian oil companies and how they're ruining the world. Or like, it's just constant, just downerisms. But it's really well. It is. Like it's great journalism. It is. Well, so they did a great piece in this series that they do called motherboard. And it's all about reunion Island and the shark attacks there in recent years. It's called surrounded Island of sharks. And they do a 30 minute documentary piece examining the statistics, um, the fisheries, Everything. It's about this piece is about the sharks, but they explore the, the why they're fisheries, there. why they're there, why attacks have gotten worse. They interview some families of kids who have died. They interview a survivor. They talk about the economic repercussions of the shark attacks, meaning no more tourism, surf shops gone out of business, dive places gone out of business, which was all like huge tourism for them. Really, really thorough, good documentary piece. And also, kind of extrapolates out like this is a microcosm of and an example of what happens but you can actually apply this scenario to australia and to the world when x happens y happens you know um draw a lot of correlation between shark attacks and its economic impact its impact on fishing all that sort of stuff what's end of the world australia again what's that part end of the world I did, did i say that yeah you said like end of the world australia or do you mean no the end of the world the bottom i of didn't the world? i didn't mean to say that at all what I, I think i was saying was that how it applies to the world as a whole and oh. australia like i don't know you don't even what you're saying i'm gonna have to rewind the tape um so my duke actually is a kid from Australia who I'd never heard of, but he's been releasing this five-part video series that I've been watching, and I really, really <laughs> is love. Is this all you do is watch five-part video releases from kids dude, that surf? Dude, I sit behind a computer all day. What do you think I would do? So, uh, no, um, I've never heard of this kid, but he's revitalized my interest in the fish surfboard design, which is why he's my Duke. The guy rips and he rides this fish. Reminds me of Rasta, kind of his style. His name is Torin Martin. Uh-huh. And this five-part series is called Lost Track. It's documenting his three-month trek through Australia. Mm-hmm. Shredding. Sounds killer. Rad. Wanna, is he a regular foot? Yep. Good. Perfect. I want to see it. Do you have a duke? I've got a new fish I've been riding. It's so good. It's a rocket fish. Did I tell you about this? No. Stu Kenson made me this rocket fish. I think I saw on Instagram about it. Yeah, it's deep channels, big twin fins, like MR fins. Okay. And it's... It's kind of like I had a really favorite Steve Liss fish, 
And this is like a, a souped-up version of that. A little narrower nose, a little narrower tail, a little wide, a, a more curve in the outline. And these channels and the friggin' thing goes so good. What's the length? It's 5'10". Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. That's a rad board. Um, the Boardroom International Surfboard Show. Yep. Presented by Santa Cruz Skateboards. Oh, really? Is happening in Santa Cruz. We're showcasing the surfboard manufacturing industry in Northern California and beyond. And we'll be honoring John Mel from Freeline Designs, who has a 45-plus year history in Santa Cruz right there uh, on the east side. And um, and we're super excited about the whole thing. There's going to be all the glory that is the uh, boardroom. And, of course, the icons of foam honoring John Mel presented by U.S. Blanks. Sweet. Yeah. And so normally you do the boardroom show once a year in San Diego, and it's been in Orange County at times. What's the deal with this? Yeah, this is like a once every five years okay. type thing. We'll do, you know, as of now, we did one five years ago. We honored Doug Hout. We'll do one in October honoring John Mel, and we'll see how that goes. I think it's going to go great because everyone's excited about it. Yeah. And then we'll look at doing another one in Santa Cruz in five years. But we'll continue to do one every year in San Diego. Got it. And we'll have some specialty ones like the Santa Cruz one on occasion. Yeah. So we're amped. Fantastic. What are the dates? October 8th and 9th at the Kaiser Permanente Arena, which is the the basketball arena where the Santa Cruz Warriors, which are the D League for the San, for the Golden State Warriors. Perfect. So, yeah. We're Sweet. super psyched well, on, on all that John, happening. John Mel, Pete Mel's dad. Pete, yeah, father of Peter Mel. Yep. And they've got grandfather of John Mel, grandfather of John, right? The Peter boy. Mel's yeah, son. Yeah, 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 but yeah. I'm I'm trying to do my best to not talk Peter or John Junior because I don't. This is about John Senior. But if you want to excite our current listeners who yeah, just who watch the know, WS yeah. and they watch the WSL, this is Pete's pops. Pete's and dad, you yeah. hear Pete in the broadcast; they rely on him for board knowledge. Oh, for they sure. They always ask yeah. him, "What what does this design mean? What is a POC or EPS versus Poly or whatever?" And he's the expert, and this is why. And he knows that there was a time when when Pete's dad John was trying to get you know that the, Pete was making a couple boards here or there. He knows yeah. surfboard design better than most. Oh, totally. He shaped yeah. boards. I, I yeah. think he's shaped surfed in events. I think he's won events on his own boards. Yeah, that does not that. surprise me. Um, my, my, so I'm looking forward to that event, by the way. My kook of the week is Chris Ward, who's currently <laughs> doing cr- currently doing 60 days in jail. You're kidding. Nope. For, wow. For the uh, battered wife incident oh, from that, back in the day, like oh, from February, I think. 60 to, so Because this is his second offense of battering women or something? No, no, no. Or, this was the 60? original offense from back in. From Mammoth Mountain? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Yes, this was the second then. The Mammoth Mountain one was years ago. But back in February, we talked about it on this show right. that his wife posted an Instagram with her face all bruised and then deleted it later. But apparently fi- charges were filed then, and now he's actually uh, – 60 days in got jail. Where? In Orange County. County Orange County Somewhere jail. in Orange County, yeah. Like Anaheim County Jail or something like I, I, I would know the name if you said it, but yeah. I don't have it written in front of it's me. Somewhere but- where there's a lot of – Mexican mafia types. It sounds gnarly. Well, County jail is not not well, a lot of professional surfers in there. I know no, that much. No, there so are. Chris Ward was sentenced to three years probation, sixty days in jail, eight hours of community service, and enrollment in a batterer's treatment program. Uh, 
that. Well, I hope he turns it around. Sometimes the, these type of situations can make a person look really deeply at themselves and make changes. Chris, you know, like many of us, we has his faults, and um, it's certainly our hope, right, yeah. David, that that Chris, because this is a serious thing, man. Dude, are you, you kidding? You do not. Yeah. This is like. This so is not gnarly. cool. So this, gnarly. This is not cool. Especially so. that it's been a pattern. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully Got, we'll shake it out of him here. Yeah, dropped by his sponsors, obviously. Wow, so, 60 yeah. days. Where did you see this? In the Orange County Register or something? Or? Uh, Stab, I think, was the first one that posted it. And then Beach Grit posted an article about it. Um, but both of those things had links to the actual... Um, article in OC Register. Or no, like LA the Times. actual from the court's website with like the booking charges and the oh, dates rad. and all that sort of stuff so 60 days no matter what or can he get out no, early he can get out early because of overcrowding which he probably will if he's not already i think he went in in june oh. like the end of june wow so that's, yeah gnarly yeah gnarly all right all right man well until next time um you can reach me via email surftalksandiego at gmail.com I don't always get to it on a daily basis. It's more like a weekly basis. Well, I read mine on a daily on my phone, but then I'll sit down in front of the computer once a week and reply at once. So oftentimes the reply is a week late for me too. Um, but please do send us emails in. It's hello at surfblenderpodcast.com is David's email. Yes, sir. Surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And you can get all the down the line episodes at boardroomshow.com. Or you can listen to surfsplendorpodcast.com and get Dave's, this show and Dave's interviews with others, which are great. All of them are on iTunes as well. Yeah. Here's what's crazy about this. They're all free. I mean, we have hundreds of hours of content. That's what sucks about this. (laughs) When are we going to get When I said crazy, I mean, we're literally crazy for doing If any companies are listening, please send us product. Like, send us something that we can sell, we can try, we'll we'll do reviews. Yeah. We are here to whore ourselves We will sit here drinking perps, wearing outer known jackets. Absolutely will. And we'll post Instagram photos of us doing that. And by the way, I want to try perps. Yeah. I'm interested in trying it. I know you've tried it. You didn't no, like it. No, we didn't. I didn't try it. Uh, okay. We've been talking about trying it for like a I'm year. I'm thirsty ah. right now. Like I would be super stoked to say this show is presented by Perps. If they would just send us an unlimited supply, we'd just Dude, drink the I'm stuff. I'm running low on hydration. I'm running low on energy. I am right I now. I need some acai extract to kick it into gear. Let's make it happen. All right. Well, I think I think Outer Known should have purple pants in their lineup. Just to kind of overlap brands, you know, and um, cross-promote things. Maybe. You're a marketing genius. Yeah, thanks. Um, I needed that validation. Okay. (laughs) Until next time, two weeks from now, adios and aloha. Much good for anyone. Can't be afraid. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Mr. Scott Bass, for helping me to host. Again, surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you go to see all of the things that we discussed in this episode. You're also welcome to leave a comment in today's show notes if you would like. Got a couple nice comments about Dave Proden's episode last week. And, uh... Yeah, I agree. I think Dave Proden did a fantastic job, and um, what a great resource and asset he is for us just to have a window into the WSL and their workings. So shout-out to them. Shout-out to him. 
Um, and then I'm actually going to go to Costa Rica next week, and I'll be there for three weeks. Uh, I'm going to produce a couple episodes down there, so you will hear from me with the glorious sounds of the jungle in the background. And, um, yeah, I know I emailed with a couple of listeners, actually, who are going to be down there at the same time. So be rad if we're able to link up, depending on everybody's schedule and where they are in the country at the time. Um, but, so, anyways... Looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting some waves in warm water conditions. Sorry about that text message that just popped through. I'm sure that you heard that. Um, at any rate, follow us on social media at Surf Splendor. Let me know what we can do for you. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing the show. Until you hear from me again, I would like to encourage you get out in the ocean, catch a couple waves, and of course, shred on. The curving sky No way.